This episode was recorded on Wajak Noongar Budja, and we like to pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This land has always been, and will always be, Aboriginal land. Kaya, Wanju, hello and welcome to the Youth Pride Network podcast, Queer Anne. My name's Hannah, my pronouns are they, them, and on this podcast, we sit down with LGBTIQA plus people from our community and talk about their experience of being queer. On today's episode, we explore being queer and transitioning and talk to a variety of people from the trans community in WA. We hear from trans and gender diverse young people that attend a social group, Trans Folk of WA. And myself and Ali from the YPN interview Andy, Sam and Lena in a compelling discussion about what it is to navigate the world as a trans person. So this episode was recorded in two sessions. Our first with Ali, Hannah, Sam, Andy and Lena. Hey, my name's Ali. My pronouns are she, they and I'm a Leo. Hello, my name is Lena. Uh, my pronouns are she or they and my star sign is Pisces. Hi, my name is Andy. Um, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm an Aries. Hey, my name's Samson. Um, my pronouns are he, him, and uh, I'm a Libra. Our next session was at the Transfog Youth Space, and these guests will remain anonymous. My pronouns are they, them, um, and my star sign is Libra. Uh, my pronouns are it, he, and my star sign is Cancer. My pronouns are they, them, and my star sign is a Cancer. My pronouns are they, them, and my star sign is Virgo. My pronouns are they, them, and my star sign is Capricorn. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm a Virgo. My pronouns are they, them, and I am an Aries. Our first question for our guests was, what does being transgender mean to you? Yeah, so um, I identify as transgender, I'm transmasculine, and I also identify as non-binary. Um, and to me, I guess that sort of means, like, my gender is, like... I d- I'm not quite sure how to describe it. I think masculine, but not, like, binary masculine. I don't I don't really know. <laughs> Going through a bit of a label crisis right now, but kind of cycling through either like gender fluid or non-binary, something like that. Um and I guess I don't really think about my gender a whole heap until I'm kind of confronted with it. Um but yeah, I just it's it's a part of me and um yeah, I don't think about it a whole heap. <laughs> It's just kind of there. Um, I I also identify as non-binary and trans mask. And when I think about my gender, it's like hard to like really say it in words. But whenever I think about it, it's like I'm not a girl. I'm not a boy. I'm just me. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, I identify as a trans guy, so it's probably a bit easier to figure out because it's very much like, okay, I'm not a girl, I know that. Um, but I feel like in terms of expression, it's for me, it's a bit more fluid. Like I very much want to be perceived as a guy because I feel like a guy and I just am a guy. But now I'm now that I pass all the time, I'm sort of less like, oh, I have to like fit the stereotypes all the time and just follow my own interests a bit more and figure out who I am in terms of that. Um, I'm non-binary and I think that for like a long time I haven't felt myself but I thought it was different things. So finding out about, you know, gender um, was amazing and it just, it feels great to be me. Um, I've never said it out loud before but um, I've identifies trans mask non-binary um I think they're the words that are good and I think it means for me I've never felt really comfortable in my skin before and having the words to talk about it and knowing where to get binders from and knowing what clothes I like to wear and how I like to wear them and how I like to present has been really freeing for me and cutting my hair short like it, it's it was a gradual but also like a big change for me um just freeing to be myself yeah so when i talk about my gender i find it important to start with how i first identified so i originally identified as trans male um and i found a lot of comfort 
in that identity at the time. Um, but after starting testosterone, um, I found I actually felt much more authentic in kind of a non-binary gender fluid kind of identity and expression. So that's how I identify now and especially the gender fluidity. Like I like some days being a boy girl, but other days being a girl boy. And that's that's how I talk about my gender a lot. So in terms of whether my gender was like something that I revealed in like a, like a snap moment or gradually, it's kind of like each day I have a renewed understanding of my gender and it kind of builds upon itself over time. I don't want, I, this is the thing that I always argue with people over this. I feel like there's a huge argument about innate gender, right? And this is the thing that's like a bit controversial in the community right now is that I've always identified that I feel like I have an innate internal experience of my gender, which doesn't match how I was born, right? But there's, it's actually like a really kind of fierce discussion. Um, and we don't know whether there is an innate experience of gender. We don't know like if that's a real thing. We, we identify with it strongly. I identify with it really strongly, right? And it's a really common thing, but we are like such a long way through breaking that down that um, to me, it means that that's what I feel like. That's a really good, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a, a simple word um, for this. That's a really good stand-in for kind of what that would, if that is real, that's how it feels. Um, and so that's what it essentially means to me. It means that I have this internal sense of gender which did not match how I was born. It did not match how I grew up. It did not match how I was raised. It did not match how people around me saw me. And I had to kind of peel all that off to be okay with myself in the world. So interesting you say that because I have a similar answer when I speak to people and I say, I never know how to describe it. It's like an internal compass, how I just know. It's like, I just knew I was transgender. It's not something that I've been able to explain. I just knew. I feel like how animals just have these inbuilt things, the wolves just know how to hunt or something. I just knew that I was transgender. Can never explain it, and I always get asked it. I sometimes say that it's like I had a voice and speaking in a language I didn't understand inside me, kind of screaming at me. And eventually, I've translated that. Now I can read. Now I can speak the language. Um, but I didn't know what I felt for a really long time. I felt um, that something massively mismatched between something inside me and the world around me. It took me a really long time to even piece together that that actually was gender and that there were like gendered aspects of that feeling. It was like being shouted at in a language I don't, um, you know, can't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sam, you're, you're nodding furiously. Yeah, what nah, do you got? Like, it is. Like, <laughs> all of it makes sense. And for me, I'm like, I'm, terms and stuff for me isn't that good. But it is like that feeling like when I was growing up, it was like, yeah, like, you know, toy cars and all that and it was something like, yeah, you know, you had like, uh, what would the word be like, um, like tomboy, but all of that was just like, it. there was something more to it. There was way more to that and it took a lot more exploring, but you just know it's, it's, it's hard to describe because it's probably, even though we all have felt that feeling, it feels so personal at the same time. Mm. And mm. that's why, you know, talking about transitioning amongst like peers and stuff is so good because it's like, oh yeah, we've all had that feeling, but you may able be able to describe it more than how I would say it. But yeah, it's, it is so hard to describe because it's undescribable, but it's there for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's why I'm shaking my head. Cause it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Discussion then moved on to people's coming out stories. I think it's really hard to explain. Cause there was a time when I was like, like trying to like figure out like what to like what to describe my gender as and I was like looking at stuff and like because I was like oh like I feel like I'm like I'm a guy but like I don't feel like binary like man you know and like I was looking at stuff and I was looking at stuff like Demi Boy and I was like like I'm not like I'm not partially a boy like I am a boy it's just not binary you know like I don't know the way that I describe it to people is um, I just felt for a really long time that I didn't fit in, that I was uncomfortable, that, yeah, but I was this kind of alien in society, but I didn't know why. Mm. Um, and it didn't occur to me that I was, 
Like it's not like when I was a kid, I was like I wanted to be a boy. I was a complete tomboy. Like don't get me like not, not saying I wasn't. And looking back, I'm like, oh my god, it's so obvious. Yeah. Mm. But I don't ever recall being um like a young child, an adolescent, even in my twenties. Um, and it wasn't until it, it happened for me in stages. And it wasn't actually until after I'd had top surgery that I saw myself in the mirror and um, port light side on. And I just looked at my chest and I just went, this is how I should have always been. That's so beautiful. That's so like, awesome. Yeah, that's... I love that you use the word alien. I yeah. completely <laughs> identify with that yeah. so much. Um, I didn't know what I felt like. Yeah. I, I couldn't have said... I had no idea what it meant to feel uh, like a woman, what it meant to feel like a girl... To so the thought of like tr being a trans woman took a very long time to occur to me because I just felt really really wrong. I just felt really out of yeah. place. I felt yeah. literally alien. Felt this like strongly felt the mismatch, yeah. but the mismatch was what that mismatch was was it took me a yeah. really long time to work out. And I, I I don't know like the ages of other people here, but for me like I'm forty. So um, when I was like a kid in the mid nineties the only kind of representation of transgender people in society were very um, negative, de yeah. like demonized that trans women were men wearing bad clothes, like, and that kind of thing. It was a very negative connotation, which it still exists in media. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it's less so, and there's way more positives coming out. Um, and I think for that reason, it's like you internally just quash it, even if, like, not consciously but i think that if i did ever realize that i was something that i internally quashed it mm. um and it wasn't until i went met my my wife that we had a discussion and then that's like kind of how things came about yeah it's beautiful i had a wild time coming out and transitioning um i'm from new zealand i came out i uh had a pretty intense experience when i first came out of lost a lot, a lot of friends. Um, I lost my ability to go to school. I got kicked out of my university. Um, I was made homeless. I sold all my possessions because I couldn't access HIT in New Zealand. It was incredibly, incredibly hard. Came here to Perth to try and uh, access HIT. Managed to do it quite successfully, but that's all I managed to do. Um, I, was, I was homeless for five years from the start of my transition. Um, built up a lot of stuff in my life. It's incredibly hard to go from that situation where you've got like no clothes, you know, you know, broken pair of shoes, nowhere to shower, to being able to get like go out, get a job, look after your mental health, you know, adhere to your medication, do all that stuff. Um, and so I see myself as a very privileged success story, to be honest, because now you know I work in health, got a great job. Um, Transitioned really successfully. Been on my medication for coming up nine years really soon. Um, feeling pretty good about yeah, life. That's great. <laughs> but I went through some stuff, right? And so this is kind of why I like to do the work that I do. This is why I like talking to people. This is why I really like talking to young people. Why I like talking to other trans people, people who are just coming out. Because I went through like, I went through like some pretty extreme stuff, even for the, you know, generation I'm from, of being from this like previous generation of trans people, right? Um, and so I don't want people to go through the stuff that I've been through. And I feel like I can help. I, and I can help. You know, I do help. That's kind of what I'm about mm. and my context. <laughs> Thank um, you. If you don't mind sharing, I'd be curious to know the ages you were when this all happened. Like you said high school, so. No, um, I mean, so I'm I, well after high school. So I didn't even know that we existed. I'd never heard of trans people, never met one. Um, all of that stuff like Jerry Springer, that had been like filed in my head. I thought that was actually all faked. I all <laughs> thought that was, I literally just thought that that like, there was no like thing behind that, right? Like I thought that this was like some um, kind of like on ongoing like Shakespearean running joke. Yeah. Um, and I met a trans person when I was 23 um, and I immediately came out, like pretty much within about four or five days of meeting her. Cool. Um, and where I'm from at that point, pretty much everyone was getting their estrogen from the internet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I just 
got some. I just yeah, got get, I just got handed some. Stuff, we couldn't go like. to the doctor. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'm just sorry. Have did to be you order on Sheen? Like, um, <laughs> I, I I I swapped a case of beer for my first oh. box of estrogen. Nice. So that's it. That's it. Very nice. So yeah, look, I have very atypical that's experience. Um, and for me, I realized really really quickly when I realized that there were other people like me. I was like, oh no. <laughs> There's yeah. a word for what I am. Now I have to face it, and now I have to do something about it. Um, and I did do something about it, and it was pretty. It was pretty rough, but um, mostly feel great about that now. Got no regrets. Oh yeah, beautiful. Glad that it all actually turned out well. Um, it's always amazing to hear success story, especially because. There's a lot of negative attention on when people transition and then stop their transition because it's not for them, but a lot of those external factors like family are ignored. Um, you know, those external pressures that fight them and try and stop their transitioning, it's very ignored. So it's lovely to hear success stories. I, it's so interesting to hear all your different stories because it, it resonates with me as well as, as someone that identifies as non-binary and feel very conf- confident and comfortable in that identity after many, many years of wrestling with that idea. And for me, the idea of transness and the idea of, of gender identity in itself is is that realising that I, I felt like you say, it's something someone trying to speak to me in a language that I don't understand. It's it to me it seems so strange, and which is what gender is is this really strange social construct that we all just decided when we were born to just play the part of. And for me, I didn't really like the character that I was assigned, <laughs> and I didn't like the role, and I never auditioned, so I didn't want to wear that costume. And for me, it just always is a costume, and whatever costume you put on that day, is how you know, the world will see you and some people have to really fight for their costume and some people like to just wear whatever they friggin' feel like it and whatever the gender comes of that. So it's a beautiful and silly and exciting thing, but it is challenging. For me, my my personal experience of being finally able to come to terms with my transness is when um, my partner initially, who is my partner now, four years ago said, you have an interesting relationship with gender. And I just kind of went... You know, whatever. <laughs> and then, and then one day we were having a like a little altercation, uh, like a, a verbal altercation. It was just like a um, like a fight is is a fancy word. Um, <laughs> and um, and they uh, and she was talking about um, me and like obviously third person because she'd said you know I, I spoke to someone about you and, and she used a she pronoun and I went they. And she was like, cool, thank you. And then we continued fighting. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. That's fantastic. So, I mean, I'm originally from the UK. Um, I moved over here 10 years ago in 2012. Um, I met my wife in 2017. My coming out was, like I said, it was done in stages. And I can remember, so my first stage was changing my name. And that happened, we were driving from Guildford towards the city, and I turned to her and I said, hey, babe, can I talk to you about something that's really weird I've never spoken to anybody about? And it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but I really hate my name, and I want to change it. And we sat there and we rattled off a bunch of names that were, if it was written or heard, you wouldn't know the gender of it. So we went, Andy, Alex, Charlie. Like, there was a whole bunch of them, like some very modern, some classic. Mm-hmm. And we were just, then we were going, right, Andy Lowe's, like Alex Lowe's. And we had a friend in our social group who was called Alex, and we didn't want to end up it being, oh, that's boy Alex, and this is, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. I went, mm-hmm. all right, well, Andy it is. Mm. And then the next day we were at Ikea of all, cl- all places. <laughs> yeah, Ikea. So you good know things have well, happened there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, I'd walked away from her and she shouted Andy. And apparently I turned around with like Aww. the biggest smile on my face. Oh, that's so And scary. that was kind of, that was the very start of it. And wow. then after that we had, well, I, I said to her, I've got, you know, very little feeling towards my chest. Um, so I then had top surgery. I had the pivotal moment, looking in the mirror. Wow. And um, 
basically like kind of the rest is history, I guess, is what you would say. Um, <laughs> I've, un- I underwent a, t- a total hysterectomy uh, mm. over two years ago now. And I'm having stage one phalloplasty next July. Sick. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. Date. That's wicked. Um, yeah, as the um, the gender reassignment board, the guy who was on that board said to me, oh, you've had a pretty standard like tra- transition. I was like, I don't oh. know whether to be offended by oh, that or not. But... Um, yeah, I think I'm, I've been. I think it has been, and like definitely, friends have been amazingly supportive. Mm. Wife, fantastically supportive. Yeah, uh, we get so sick of like people saying to her, "Oh, but how do you feel about Andy's transition?" And she's great. She turns around and goes, "It's Andy's life. It's Andy's yeah. body. He can do whatever he wants." Like I love the person, him, not like his gender. Yeah. You know? Um. But I feel incredibly privileged and lucky that I, like, the way that it's, like, things have happened for me. Like, granted, I had some issues with work. Mm. I subsequently left that workplace. Um, and as I said earlier, my mum lives the other side of the world, so I just don't have to deal with her. Yeah. Um, but, I yeah, I feel, like, incredibly privileged and lucky with how easy things have been for me. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um. I think in the same way as we learn about world wars, et cetera, and things like that, I think for the queer community that it's really important that we understand our history mm-hmm. and we Absolutely. understand the pain and discomfort and hell that are the, 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 the you know, older people older than us have gone through. Mm. And the reasons why you might find that there are more older people who are coming out now because they've got they've went through so much in their younger years when they were 20 23 it was they would have been like killed on the street had they have come out Absolutely. and now at the age of 53 or 63 or whatever they're finally in a in a safe place where they can and they and so they do and it's fantastic that they can finally be themselves mm-hmm. um and for that reason, I, th- I feel really strongly that the younger generations should really educate themselves on what the queer community has gone through. What about you, Sam? Well, I think with what like Andy said is, is like the stages. I was the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So like I've born and raised in Perth. Um, I'm actually Yamaji Wadri, so my family's from um, Mullawalway. But um, my family's always been, and the broader family's always been supportive. So. I'm really like a social butterfly. So a lot of my thing like steps is through social stuff. So like I came out at 16 to my parents and I didn't know what place to go to. So I actually emailed whack because like, you know, back then the internet seemed so mysterious and it's like, Oh, I'm, totally. I'm hidden. Like they don't know me. <laughs> and I was like, where does a 16 year old go to? Mm. And they recommend me to freedom center, which was like incredible. Like I will always recommend that like a place for, youth to go and it's just like a drop-in center and I went there with one of my like out and proud mates and like she would cop so much flack in high school mm. but would like ride or die for the LGBT plus stuff yeah like, so we went there and it was in a tiny little closet it was, just <laughs> <laughs> it was like literally oh, a closet <laughs> on brand <laughs> yeah yeah funny enough but then they moved to oh somewhere in the city sort of way but you know, that kind of helped have that, like, so I saw my first, like, trans man there and I was, like, like, didn't have a clue. Like you said, Jerry Springer was something, it just made it seem like fake. Like, fake. like you said, it's just like, oh, you know, it, which sucks because that was our first representation and stuff like that. So Freedom Centre helped me a lot. I was there till pretty much 18, pretty much, like, figuring out what I was doing, like, mm-hmm. Then I went into the social scene of, like, Perth in the clubs. Mm. And as much as, like, clubs and all that, it's like, oh, you hear about the drama. Actually, back then it was, like, a whole corner at the court where it was just, like, it was politicking and socialising and stuff like that. But a lot of stuff was, like, discussed. And it actually I found a group of, like, older, like, queer women that, like, supported me, even though I looked quite, like, honestly, probably before the word, like, non-binary, but I was just Sam. Mm. Where's Sam? Sam's there. There was yeah, no yeah. real like gender 
like pronoun to me. And it was like slowly, it was like, all right, the first bra got tighter. And then there was two. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, okay. And then just like my mates were like, do you, how do you feel about like, like transitioning? And it was something that I was tossing up in my head and looking to get a part of. But another thing it was like with the social stuff is like I actually had to join and found out about the trans men of WA. Mm. Incredible group. Oh, like, yeah. Big you one. know, and they added me. I was nervous. Like, and this is the thing. We're all nervous doing this. Like I was, I seen like real confident stuff and I walk in the room and all that. But like, it's scary. It's so scary because you're just going in the dark. Because like, yeah, we, you know, you have that mostly on TV, terrible representation, but you, and you have the stories that you see from an outside perspective. Mm. But doing it yourself is like, whoa. And that I found through like to have, it's incredible the amount of lists that you've got in there for like doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists. So I end up going to a really, <laughs> he's a cool doctor, BD. He's a bit of bizarre, but he's a good fella. <laughs> and um, yeah, he got me instantly onto tablets, like which you shouldn't stay on for too long. Mm. And then I had to go to um, a psychiatrist which is expensive it is expensive that is probably the one thing like you know talking about like uh hard parts (laughs) if you got to save up to go for your appointment that's the thing and he luckily for me because i had all that experience of like being social and living like as a like like uh butch like queer woman like you know i had that lived experience and stuff and totally which is like, it doesn't really matter anyway. It's how you feel, but yeah. So did that and then got on to um, shots. So, mm. and after that, all my mates are still really tight, you know, and I've got now that, I've got pockets of all different communities now, like, you know, like the trans community, like still the bigger LGBT, like indigenous peoples were super open at works. <laughs> mining has changed. <laughs> I can get into that. <laughs> but mining has changed a bunch, but... Yeah, it's all really like having that assistance and help and just like someone to comfort you in any part through that community. That's literally for me, it's been the community. Totally. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I could do it, my, like I'm doing it step by step myself, mm. but like. Having that community. Yeah, even you. like this right now, like this is wicked. Yeah. <laughs> we all have different experiences, but like we all know we're supporting each other. Totally. That's, totally. Yeah. Like mining's changed. And I know we're talking about the like the youth now, but I'll tell you right now that old dogs can learn new tricks. It's just whether that dog's ignorant or not. And that's 100% what's going on. Like, <laughs> straight I'm up. Applauding. I'm applauding. Yeah. Yes, 100% <laughs> because I transitioned through work, like, in the mining sector. And I watched people that are grandfathers, dads, and, like, yeah, farmers, the people that you'd think. And then it was like, <laughs> I was getting in flack for having bum fluff. They're like, come on, mate, I need to show you how to shave. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for me as well. And then also at work we have our, like, like us Indigenous group and, like, your uncles and your aunties. And I think because we're so used to being, like, displaced that we would come together because even when I first started seven years ago, I've been in mining, it was, like, coming as an Indigenous trainee. It was rough. It was rough. And the people that looked after us was our aunties and uncles. They would get you and be like, all right, I want you to do this. They'd get you on the chat channel. Be like, do this, do this, because I don't want to see you fail. And they would look after you and even after work, just give you advice because two weeks is a long time to be away from your actual family. Totally. And like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and the, those are like, like you said, I don't know, I didn't know anything, everything. And I just, that's why now I continue on with the younger, like, trainees that are coming in now and even the older ones, it's like, nah, it's it's all about mutual respect and that isn't just an age thing. That's just, like, a human thing it should be because we're all it's struggling or we're all doing something and we're all trying to live our lives out there, so why can't we just give each other respect, even if we may not understand each other's situations? That's what it's about for me and, yeah. Mine is... <laughs> I like to think of it as a fun story. Um, somehow growing up, I missed the signs and I love finding out what the most obvious sign a person missed is because we all seem to somehow have that obvious one. For mine, it was at about age six. I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, I wish I was a girl. 
And that is a sign to miss. <laughs> God, if I was self-aware at that time, I would have known. It only took me another like 14 years to go, I wish I was a girl, man. I wish I was a girl. Ah. Um, but I remember uh, I would have been out of high school, so I was going on dates. And I went on a date and I went to get dressed up. And I was, at the time, I was cross-dressing. Um, and that was in particular the main word you'd hear. Um, and so I got all dressed up and I looked in the mirror and I looked for about 10 seconds staring at myself with all this makeup, this pretty skirt and stuff. And I went, oh no, oh, there's something more to this. This isn't just <laughs> me having this, this, okay, I need to go somewhere, see someone, get help. So I had to cancel my date and the next day I'm just booked in with the GP and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. Can I get some assistance with this? And I always think when I was staring in the mirror and just that sudden shock of, ah, there's something deeper here. God (laughs) damn, I'm going to have to do all this work now. (laughs) Well, I I seem to have been lucky when I hear because, um, Sam, you said that you had to see a psychiatrist. Yep. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. Um, And you said don't stay on tablets. I'm still on tablets almost three years in. I didn't have to see a psychiatrist. Day one of seeing my GP, he goes, are you sure? I went, yep. And he goes, here's your prescription. That's awesome. Go get ah, some awesome. Um, tablets. Yeah, wicked. And everyone I speak to, I'm like, did I slip through the cracks? Did I get lacking? <laughs> Sounds like you sure like, did. I have the same experience and I definitely was not supposed to. <laughs> right. Because people ask me for advice sometimes and I've had to actually look into it because they go, oh, what psychiatrist did you see? What sort of things did you have to do? And I went, what are you talking about? I just showed up and they said, here's a prescription, go get tablets. And I'm like, cool. It's so rare and exciting to hear stories that are positive and uplifting. But we did want to ask our guest, what are some of the hardest parts about being who you are and about navigating the world as a trans person? Um, I think dysphoria is probably one of the big ones. And like, same as what um had said, like as when I realised that I that I'm trans and non-binary it all it all made sense because you know, oh that's why I don't like to wear that and that's why I, you know it just explains so many things and even now just it depends and it changes every day with what I feel comfortable presenting with and wearing um and I think like in intersection of being neurodivergent and having like sensory like difficulties as well with what I like to wear it just adds like another layer of that. Um, and I was also thinking going, I know we're going back to the toilet, the trans toilet discussion. So I was just thinking like sometimes I'll go into the toilets um, at, you know, a shopping centre or something and I'll look like, people will look at me like, like the mums that are in there with their kids like, what and I like smile at them to be like, like I'm, I can be in here kind of thing. So it it would go both ways. You either get the stinky urinals or you get the mums looking at you like, what the hell? You should not be in here. Um, yeah, not one of the hardest things, but I think that goes into the box of like people assuming your gender, and then you have to deal with that constantly. Like there's no escape from it, whether you're at school or the shopping centre, and yeah, people misgendering you all over the place. I think one of the hardest parts is just like having to like deal with you know getting misgendered and dysphoria and transphobia and stuff like that like you know I think that being trans is a wonderful beautiful thing but like there is a lot of stuff that comes with it which you know whether it's societal backlash or dysphoria which not all trans people do have dysphoria but like a lot of us do and it's not fun and Yeah, I guess because the realisation that I was trans led to me becoming a lot more aware of my dysphoria, I think. And I don't know, like it's, I I can't tell if it would have been better if I hadn't realised or not, because it probably, it probably wouldn't have been, but you know. The hardest things that I find with being trans is having to explain to cis people how I identify. (laughs) just like almost on the daily um you know i get like questions asking are you a boy or a girl or like like, (laughs) (laughs) and i've seen like 
um yeah. all these like like things on social media it's like oh cool answers to um say when you have that question and i never have the guts to actually say anything so i just kind of stand there and be like ah uh, well I, actually i'm i'm kind of somewhere in the middle <laughs> um I often find myself uh, comparing myself to others, like um, like any uh, small piece of media that I do see, um, I'm always like finding differences um, because obviously everyone's different, but like it's hard to find yourself when everyone is like seeing, like, when you're seeing everyone um, and how they're living life. Um, like I often like, um, see like uh, a trans masculine person and then I think to myself like oh I'm not trans enough I need to be like them um and it's hard to stop thinking that yeah I mean I suppose I could I could speak to like experiences from like when I was first transitioning like in terms of like discrimination in school and whatnot and I mean the drive-by hate crimes, you know? <laughs> this is a term that I have coined, which is where someone yells at you a slur or something vaguely transphobic or homophobic from their car. So it was only a few seconds. So it's a drive-by hate crime. Um, I once got three in one hour. That was pretty impressive. That's how queer I look. <laughs> so queer that three people in their cars were like, I need to roll down the window and announce this person that they are trans. <laughs> and I'm like, cheers guys. <laughs> I'm like, have I done it? Have I achieved peak non-binary? <laughs> yeah, no, literally. But I think um, kind of like post high school, the hardest thing has become, because I work with kids, um, the questions that kids give me and how I, I don't know how to answer because obviously I'm not existing in my own individual capacity. When I'm teaching, I'm with an organization, you know, I'm with a tutoring company and... Um, like their parents involved and what can I say that isn't going to get me or my employer in trouble so it's kind of sometimes I have to like take off my trans advocacy hat and put on my teaching children hat and if a child says something to me I just have to kind of brush it off and keep going because we're not there for me um so I was doing some childcare work over the school holidays and I got asked by the same kid like five times are you a girl or a boy and by the end she wasn't asking it because like she wanted to know it was just she was entertained by the fact that I looked queer and different and she was like I think you're a girl and I was like mm. I, I gave her the answer that I was a boy because it's easier than <laughs> being like how much time do you have five-year-olds <laughs> um <laughs> by the end she was like I think you're a girl and I'd be like I've I don't think so, but thanks for your contribution there. So that's hard because I actually have to work against what I want to be doing and my values in order to do the thing that's more important, which is looking after the kid. So, yeah, that's a difficult one to navigate. Uh, I actually think that the hardest part um, of dysphoria for me was before I realised that I could be something other than a woman. But I think that because there would always be something wrong, but I just didn't know what it was. And like for a long time, my mum would be treating me as if I was depressed. So she would try and take me out to nice little girl days um, to try and make me feel better about myself. And it, it would just always end up being worse. And I didn't know why and no, nobody did. So I think that was the hardest. Yeah. I also realized like for myself just before Christmas, but I didn't tell anyone. So I got a bunch of dresses. I got pink frilly socks. I got, and it was just, it was great. And I opened like my first presents and mum was like, come on, be happy. And I'm like, I'm really happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I feel like over time, my dysphoria has gotten like worse. Like it used to be just like social dysphoria. And now it's, whatever the other one is yeah <laughs> and like whenever I go out like I try and hold my PR try not to drink too much because I don't want to go into either of the bathrooms just because I don't want because I don't fit in with either so it's like and they can like never have gender neutral ones I find that like I often will like dress quite femininely as well like I'm like I don't feel uncomfortable wearing like dresses or skirts and I like wearing makeup and stuff and like you know it's something that makes me really happy but at the same time I feel like it's just 
I'm gonna I'm more likely to get misgendered when it happens as well, like even more than normal, and it's just it's kind of annoying, I guess. Obviously, dysphoria and everything, but because that's been mentioned, I was just thinking of other things. And one of the big things that I found, for myself anyway, is just not really being able to see any representation of yourself. Especially because in media, well, let's be honest, any trans representation is usually negative because it's usually coming from a conservative point of view. But also, it's a lot more trans femme representation than trans mask representation. So it's really hard when, like, you can't see anyone like you. It's like, oh, well, like do I have like what's my future gonna look like because everyone sort of has an idea like they have their parents or an aunt or an uncle or even just being queer but not trans there's usually someone that you know or someone that you can see in the media so I feel like that's a major thing and then also for me personally another thing is chronic pain and having chronic health issues that have to do with like my reproductive system and then doctors first of all not knowing what's going on but also not knowing how to treat it and using very gendered terms at appointments and things like that i mean informed consent should be an option right it should be possible for pretty much anyone who is informed and can consider themselves informed to be able to sign it away right? and i mean i was seeing a psychiatrist for many months at that stage uh, sorry a psychologist so it wasn't something that i was just jumping into but yeah my gp just kind of trusted me and from since then I've actually had to teach a lot of GPs because I seem to know more about what's going on than them. Classic. Yeah. My my GP just I went in a few months ago and I said I don't want to be on Randrin anymore. I want to switch to something different. She was like, Oh, what what do you want to go? I said, Well, Sassanon or Primo are the two options that I have. Um give me a script for Sassanon and I'll try that. Took that away, used it, didn't like it, moved to Primo. And now she's like, oh, do you need any more? And, I'm, and she's like, well, how often do you take this? I'm like, you take it every two weeks. She's like quickly Googling kind of thing. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and I'm like, I'm all over this. It's all good. Yeah, yeah my GP is just like, the levels look good from your blood test. And I look at them and I go, those are good. Yeah, yeah. that's what it should be. Yeah. Straight up, like watching a doctor Google something in an appointment makes me viscerally angry. I'm like, just tell me to leave and tell me to Google it. It's more respectful almost. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, yeah, it's, especially when you're having to pay for their time, it's a big one. <laughs> Maybe um, we should just be all honorary endocrinologists. <laughs> like, we seem to know what's going on with our yeah. hormone levels more than our GPs. I'll take the pay. BRB, getting a medical degree. We moved on from the challenges to what are some of your favourite parts about being trans or what brings you trans joy? Well, the first thing that I thought of was when I've been called a gentleman before. Because I just think it's a bit fancy. <laughs> and I and I just, I like it when I've had it happen recently and they called me a gentleman and then they looked down and saw my they, them pin and then they had to scramble and it was great. And I let them scramble for a while. Um, so I think like um, pe- when people that are strangers don't assume gender as well and they use the right pronouns for you, it's like a, like surprise moment of gender euphoria which is like really nice um and affirming and I think like I work with young people as well every day and I've had young people coming up to me in a primary school setting telling me their pronouns or like wearing pride pins or you know, coming up to me when I was doing relief teaching last year and going, Are you are you the non binary relief teacher? And just being being that representation that I never had, I went to a public country school, like that didn't, wasn't there at all. So being able to be that representation means a lot. And that's affirming in itself, being that person in that space. Um, yeah. You know, the first thing that I thought off the top of my head was something that happened to me today. Um, <laughs> I was uh, on my way to drama class and there was a delivery guy who was kind of wandering around with a parcel and um, and he saw me and he was like, hey, bro, um, where's the reception area? And I was like, yes, bro, he called me bro. And I was like, oh, it's just over there. <laughs> and then I immediately, like, I ran into my drama class and I found my other trans friend and I was like, this guy called me bro. Oh, my God, I'm a bro. And then we were just like, yeah, we're men, we're manly men. And it was, it was just, I had a good laugh and it was, it was great. It, it felt so great. When I was just baby gay um, and I told my parents um, 
before that I had gotten an undershave but still had long hair on the top. Um, but I wanted short hair, but I didn't want to say it because I knew what it would sound like. Um, so when I told them uh, the next day, I think, my mum took me to a barber's shop and she was like, she was talking to the person and I, I didn't want to say anything because I was like, my hands were shaking. I was so nervous. So my mum was like, just cut it off. And the person was like, really? But because my hair was so long, um, she braided it up and I was like, all right, getting ready. And then she cut it off and it was, I, I was like closing my eyes because I was so like worried almost that this isn't what I was searching for. Um, and then I opened my eyes and I had short hair and I look gorgeous by the way. So yeah, I think that feeling of just, um, like it was almost kind of like a chain like just when I would look in the mirror I'd see like long hair and I hated it and then it was gone and I was happy yeah it was kind of like that was pulling me down almost to close out our session we asked what sort of advice would you give someone that was starting their transition or someone that was younger than you or what advice would you have loved to have given your younger self you said something I think is amazing, right? Lena's referring to Andy here. There's something I tell so many people um, about how you're in Ikea and <laughs> your partner shouts Andy and you turn around and smile and you've got that feeling of like yeah. someone's used this 100%. name me in public. Yeah. This is what I tell anyone questioning, anyone working out their identity, is that you create those situations where someone can use names for you, someone can use pronouns for you. And I encourage anyone who's in that state of questioning, those are the situations you want to create, right? Like you want to um, just have one person close to you in your life and be like, just with you, I want you to experiment with just tossing in another name for me. Um, and there's no like rules, right? You don't have to like settle on a name that's the name you have the rest of your life, right? Because I think that people are really, really bad at thinking that because we get given one name when we're born. Yeah. And changing it is like this dramatic thing. It's yeah. not. You can change your name like once every year the rest of your life if you want. Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, you can just change the paperwork it. Will the paperwork will be hard. Yeah. Pain. Uh, yeah, it's annoying. I'm not recommending. Look, I'm not recommending it. <laughs> but you don't it's have to possible. have your legal name changed for people to call you it either. Yeah. So actually, yeah, you can yeah. change your name as many times as you want. Yeah. You can change your pronouns as many times as you want. You can change it just with some people in your life and not with other people. So that thing that like you created with that situation, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I tell people to do. So yeah. I just wanted to like jump on it because it's yeah. cool. I, I remember when I was transitioning, I was in such a rush to get everything done. And I was always crying, always upset. I just wanted to transition. And I think it's a lot easier now with transgender people being more in the media, non-binary people. It's um, more of examples. At the time, I just kind of thought if I transition, I have to meet these goals to be considered a trans woman. You know, I have to dress a certain way. So I think a big important thing for people to remember is gender is that it's a social construct and to go beyond that because everyone throws that around but doesn't you know elaborate it doesn't really matter it's kind of like all this fighting over gender is kind of it's very dramatic i find it interesting watching ted cruz uh, or any republican from america argue about gender <laughs> and i'm like none of this matters at the end of the day my existence doesn't change anything in your life why do you care so much? Like, there's a war going on or famines. Me being transgender means nothing at the end of the day. Like, I just exist and do my own thing. I'm not ruining Ted Cruz's life. So I think <laughs> for a lot of people, just remembering you can do what you want with gender. You can dress how you want. You can change your name, your pronouns. You can take it slow, have fun, enjoy it. Don't be in such a rush to meet these social expectations because even when I was transitioning there was a social expectation that I'd transition correctly and I'd mm. wear the right things and change my name at the right time and I'd have to tell certain people like I'd have to tell my family yeah, yeah it's yeah. not up to me to have to tell particular people mm. just let me vibe do my thing and you know six months I'm like oh yeah I'm just wearing a skirt who cares it shouldn't make such a big deal out of it I don't often think about it, but I just thought about how I haven't changed my voice and it's okay. I'm, I'm very happy with it. Sometimes I get upset with it. And I think that's just something for people to remember. 
you can make your own decisions and you may not feel the best about them at times. Sometimes I wish I had a different voice, but that's fine. That's something that happens to all of us. We might have parts of our body or something that 90% of the time we're happy with. We, we love it. But there's just times when you compare yourself and you just think, what if, and what if I change this and how different would my life be? And I think it's okay for people to realize we all have those thoughts. We all have those days where we feel down, where we don't like a certain part of us. Don't take it to heart. Don't let, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. It's not necessarily an awful thing that you might not enjoy something. You might have these small self niggling doubts, um, but that's okay. They exist. They exist for all people. We all have a couple of niggling doubts. That's beautiful. That's really resonating with me as well. Like it's it's that idea, and I think someone once said that to me that while someone might think you're not who you are, or might think something, that thought might pop in their head, and we're also scared of those thoughts. You know, um, they said, you know, they're wrong, and they just said it so simply that they're wrong. You know, and and they're allowed to be wrong, and you know what's right. And I was like, whoa. Um, and being unsure and, and not having to commit to anything is okay. Yeah, not being not being sure is also okay. Yeah. You just got to do you. You know you and, like, you have to stay strong to who you are and, like, whatever your passions are when it comes to even transitioning, that is, like, the key because the only person that you sit down with at the end of the day is you in your life and that is... That's my main thing is like, because people, like you say, people try and tell you to do this, do that, do whatever, but you know you and it takes time and it, sometimes it goes quick, sometimes it goes slow. Is You take it at the pace that you want to take it because we're all, we're all just waiting for you to come and when you rock up, that's cool. Like I'm well, always we'll late to a party. <laughs> yeah, I'm always, <laughs> hey, fashion me late's always good, you know. But, yeah, it's, that's my thing. It's just like it's your journey. Totally. And we're all, we're all here for you. But, yeah, you just take your time and do what you need to do. Don't be afraid to um, do a social media call. Mm. Like, because I think something that I definitely did when I first transitioned was I'm not big on – I'm not on Twitter or anything like that because I'm old. Um, <laughs> I'm, but Instagram, like, I kind of muddle my way around. Um, and I – pretty much just started following every trans dude that I could, whether they were giving out positive energy or energy or negative energy, just anyone at all. And then I very kind of, not quickly actually at all, it's a complete lie. Um, at some point later down the track, I realised that I had a very unhealthy reason for following them mm. in that I was judging myself against them. Yeah, and I was going, oh, they like they started their transition after me, and yet they've got bigger pecs than me, or like whatever, oh, like yeah. that kind of thing, right? And yep. just going down that very unhealthy rabbit hole, and I just had a massive call. And when are these people sharing healthy, positive fit content, or are they just influencers and like blowing their own trumpet? And clearly, they're on more than tea. Like they're doing other things as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just think I think just filtering and don't be afraid to just cut things out that are not just look after yourself. If you're a short, thick king <laughs> like me, <No>. yo. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> follow short, thick kings too. If yeah. you're, you know, if you, if you want to love the parts of you that, you know, that are there just as you are surround yourself with people that love those parts of you and social media people that also love those parts of you. And, um, you'd be surprised how much you find, um, you're actually not as gross as you think you are. You're actually pretty beautiful. Things have changed really radically and I don't want to teach a new generation of trans young people to come up in the same way that I was taught how to do it. And the things that I was taught, um, were appropriate for us 10 years ago, for us 20 years ago. Um, I was taught to expect adversity and not accept adversity. And I think that's a great thing to say to people, but I think we've gone even further than that, right? We have actually won the culture war. We own the culture. 
um, it, it's in the dying throes of that, you know, and we are in currently in a, in a just recently post-culture war state. But there are more people now completely on our side, completely supportive of us, than there are people who are not. And that's never going back. There is no undoing that. There is no reversing it. We have one. Um, so it's no longer expect, don't accept. It's don't expect at all. Do not expect people to put adversity in your way because of who you are and because of your gender and because of your gender identity. If it happens, react shocked. React appalled. Because we have to approach things in a different way now. The way that we approached things before and all, pretty much all of history until really recently, we're talking like the last couple of years, right? This is like breaking news, was that we expect things so that we're ready for it and we react accordingly. That's no longer necessary. We don't need to be hypervigilant anymore. No one coming into our community now and coming into the identities now needs the hypervigilance. We can put it all down. And it's going to take us a generation to do that, right? Like this is going to be generational healing of us putting down our hypervigilance um, and forgetting to expect that adversity. Um, because we shouldn't accept it, but we don't need to expect it anymore. And you said a second ago, Ali, about how like gender doesn't necessarily matter to the people in the world around us, right? Like on a big cosmic level, yeah. There are all of these anti-trans people and all of these anti-trans movements, and it, you, this thing is, is you are right, right? It's actually not about us. It's hilarious. <laughs> I've never met any of them yet. They seem to have an axe to grind against me. Yeah, they will. That's the thing is, it's literally not about us. It's it's, and that's the unfortunate thing. That will continue for some time, probably for generations, realistically. But they're a minority now. They were not a minority even five years ago. Um, and they're never getting back in a majority. It's not happening. Um, that's really, really powerful. Uh, so the last thing is that all of us have things that we've built up to survive what we've gone through, right? For some of it, it's the trauma. For some of us, it's a shell or the walls that we put up. Um, to walk around in like a hetero world. For some of us, uh, it's just we, we might call it coping mechanisms. We might just call it, you know, all kinds of things. Um, whatever they are, um, those things are things that are really rational. They happen to us. They're not our fault, right? Like we've gone through experiences and we've put up things to help us survive those experiences. But now it's really important for us as a whole community to not let those things drive us, Right? Um, like the same things that have saved our lives when defending us are not the same things that are just really good at, you know, driving our car down the street and not crashing us into a wall. <laughs> so um, I try to advocate for people to, you know, recognise where those things come from, recognise how our coping mechanisms, how all our stuff, all our baggage has served us. But, you know, we're getting to this point now in history and uh, for so many people today, individually, that we can begin putting that stuff down. And over the next generation, we will do that as a community. And we'll move past you know, our mourning or our, all our healing. You know, we're a full generation since um, the, uh, a global pandemic took the lives of a huge number of uh, queer people all around the globe. You know, I'm talking about the, the older pandemic, obviously, <laughs> with HIV and AIDS. The original. Um, and the young people coming up today will have living elders, will have living role models that um, we haven't had in our community for 50 years because of that. So things are different now. Don't think it's like it was in the past. That's what I want people to do. Um, my hope is that um, they'll find their community and uh, like-minded people who will influence them and um, in a good way. Okay, so mine's kind of small at the moment because I haven't got very big plans for the future yet. But I hope that my children, um, they're raised in like a household where it's not like, oh, it's a girl. It's like, this is my child. Hello, child. And it's kind of like they get to pick their pronouns and like will respect them and understand them. And it's like, it's not going to be that awkward coming out. It's just going to be, this is what I am. Cool. But like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, it's not a coming out because 
Yeah. Yeah, and they can choose who they want to be no matter on how they were born. And, like, if the parents support them and even from birth are just, like, child, like, it's it might be a bit easier if they are a bit fruity. So... And that's today's episode of Queer And. A huge thank you to our guests for sharing your stories and your wisdom. The Youth Pride Network is a collective of queer advocates working to make Western Australia a better place for queer young people. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Youth Pride Network. For resources or information on the guests from today's episode, check out the show notes. For feedback or recommendations for upcoming episodes, hit us up via our website, youthpridenetwork.net. Help us fulfill the gay agenda by giving this episode a share or writing a review. Stay safe and thanks for listening.